New year, new me. That's the motto, right? The Genius Brand is here to help you become the new version of yourself in 2021. The Genius Brand has products formulated according to science. They have got tons of nootropic laced supplements, including their greens and their matcha, all which are fortified with lion's mane, cordyceps, and other great nootropics. If you've ever been trying to maximize your brain power and clarity, these products are for you. The Genius Brand also offers hydration products with their electrolyte drink mix. They offer a stimulant-free pre-workout, and they even offer sleep aids and uh, tons more. So whatever area of genius you're looking to unlock this year, check out thegeniusbrand.com. And don't forget to use the code QUALITY at checkout for 15% off of your purchase. So you can get like me and get on their stimulant-free pre-workout. You can even stack that with their creatine. They even have Genius Caffeine if you do need that extra pump. So check out thegeniusbrand.com today. It's good quality at checkout and get 15% off. And if those products aren't working out for you, then you have nothing to worry about. They will offer you a full refund if the products are not to par. So what have you got to lose? Check them out today. Geniusbrand.com code quality. Katie Austin is an actor and filmmaker based in the Bay Area. Her directorial debut, Aubergine, is hitting festival circuit this year, and we were thrilled to discuss everything that led her to this exciting moment in her film career. She talked about going all in on pursuing her dreams and having to dial it back a little bit when her livelihood was at stake. You don't always have to go for broke in the pursuit of your ambitious goals, and it is okay to take a step back and reformulate your plan of attack sometimes. It's something that myself, Katie, and probably many of you have in common, and it is nothing to be ashamed of. If you ever lose sight of that target that you're aiming for, perhaps taking a few steps to the sidewall for a new perspective and give you a cleaner shot at the bullseye. And Katie's story is one of perseverance, determination, and passion for creativity and creatives alike. And it is one that we think will resonate with all of you. So keep shooting for the stars because even though you may not hit the target with your first shot, it will certainly get you closer to the next time you take aim. So put those extra reps in and let this story inspire you to keep after it and let's see what's good. Quality, 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 quality goods. Quality, 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 quality goods. is going on good people you are tuned into the quality goods podcast i am chris Beatty, and i'm anson jake and today is a lovely sunday here in the bay area get the sun peeking out it's a little warmer than i think it's supposed to be for this time of year which yeah. is nice but also I concerning curse, yeah <laughs> yeah like I, I love the sun but i also want some snow I, i'm trying to trying to go snowboarding soon so uh, i don't know about y'all but i'm a big fan of the winter and uh it seems that winter is shorter and shorter these days but uh speaking of short let's keep this intro short and uh intro our guest for today we have katie austin actor filmmaker she's a jill of all trades 
How are you doing this morning? Or actually, this afternoon. Just hit rather. the afternoon. Just hit yeah. afternoon. Yeah, doing great. So mm-hmm. glad to be here. You know, we got connected through our uh, our crew member, Danny. Always got love for, for Danny. Danny's made tons of connections for us over the years. Yep, shout out. Yeah, got a, got a shout out, our boy. Before we get started, you're about to make your directorial debut pretty soon for your film called uh, Aubergine. Yes. Uh, so Aubergine uh, is my first film. It's a short, it's a lighthearted short about a sex worker who wants to create boundaries with her client. But when she uses her safe word, it works a little bit too well. Um, so this is my first film ever doing anything. And I uh, co-wrote it, uh, directed it, produced it. And then I also play Marie, who's the sex worker in it. Wow. For your first go around, nice. that's uh, quite, <laughs> quite a lot on your plate there. But uh, I'm sure you're excited to uh, get cracking on yeah, this. Yeah, yep. So we just filmed uh, mid-December, um, and we have already run it through post-production. Uh, we wrapped it up this past week and submitted it to its first festivals in the last four days. So cranking has been done. Oh, awesome. that's, that's some exciting stuff. I'm yeah, looking forward to uh, yeah. Yeah, congrats, and I'm looking forward to, yeah. to seeing that myself. Thank you. Yeah, um, it's, it's crazy. You think that you're just making a small project and then you spend a year of your life and it's still not over <laughs> <laughs> and it's only just begun yeah and that's only for a short film yeah. right yeah how what what is the duration what's the running time on uh, that 10 minutes see 10 minute a 10 minute film takes up a year or more of your life you can only imagine like all the the hard work that goes into a full-length feature film you know these things are in development for years Totally. So, and this is just like a small taste of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that'll be the next, <laughs> the next gear up is maybe a feature. But you know, you gotta, mm-hmm. you gotta have the idea first. So I'm, I'm kind of conceptualizing, seeing what, what I want to do next. So that was your, your first like foray into you know taking on a film of your own. But uh, this isn't your first performance on camera. Yeah. So I've been acting professionally for about a year and a half now. Uh, mostly doing commercial work. Um, they have a, a real wholesome face, so the commercial world likes that. Um, so that's been fun. Nice, relatable face. Yeah, <laughs> super relatable. Get a lot of mom characters, um, which I'm not a mom in real life, so that's fun. Uh, yeah, so I've been doing that and taking classes and really digging into what does it even mean to act and is that a sustainable career and all of that. And what I was finding was that there isn't there just wasn't a ton of narrative work up in the Bay area. And, you know, if there is something like, you don't know if you're going to get cast or if you're the right character or whatever. And so that really kind of inspired my doing my own project was like, I would get cast in things or people would call me for auditions and I would look at the character breakdown and be like, I don't want to tell this story. Like the story isn't aligned with my values um, or whatever it is. And maybe they're not even paying you, right? And it's like, do I want to tell a story that's not aligned with my values and also not get paid for it, but spend all of the time and energy? <laughs> like, is that, is that what I want to do with my life? Um, and the answer is no, I don't. I don't want that. Definitely not. Um, yeah. And so being able to create my own project and, and uh, create the characters and the story and the concepts around, you know, what, what ideas are we bringing into the world was really powerful for me. Yeah, you, you touched on an interesting point there. It's like, you know, we're in the Bay Area here where it's not exactly the the mecca of film production. 
And what, what are some of the difficulties and like obstacles that you've had to face in your pursuit of an acting career? Yeah. So this is not my first stab at having an acting career. So I went to school. Um, I studied interdisciplinary art. I did film, visual art, uh, and then uh, comedy. I studied comedy. Um, you, were you a part of any improv troupe? Yeah. So I was in the improv group in, in college. Another Man's Trash. Shout out. <laughs> um <laughs> which was great. And we were like the founding members. We created the improv group. We did all of that. That was my life in college. Um, and when I got out, uh, I remember having a, a conversation with my teacher mentor uh, where I was like, yeah, I really, I would love to do performative arts as a career. What, what could I, how do I do that? Right. Um, and I remember he laughed and he goes, yeah, that's a really good question. And then he walked away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know? like, I'll, I'll let you know as soon as I find yeah. out what that and I is. I was just like, oh, God, um, I guess I can't do this. Right. And so when mm. I got out of college, um, I kind of spent a couple of years traveling and trying to figure out what is the world even. And then kind of ended up in Austin for a little bit of time. I was doing um, editing for video there for like corporate videos. Um, and just had this like this day where like crazy things happened and I was like what am I doing I just want to act so I picked up all my stuff and moved to LA and tried to make it work um and what I was confronted with in LA is that no one pays you for creative work when you are not established um yeah. which is not the case with any other career really it's like creative careers for real if yeah. you're not the best you're not getting paid for it um and i just saw so many people being taken advantage of so many people taking advantage of other people who were lower on the ladder um and i hated it and i didn't want to be culturally in a place where that was the norm um and i was like wicked living on the edge like mm -hmm. I was on food stamps. I was just doing anything that I could to try to get a foot in the door. Um, and then by accident, I kind of fell into the jobs in startups because uh, what I was looking for in working on film was like working on small collaborative teams, changing the world with like big ideas um, and getting to have fun every day and not sitting at a desk. And I had a friend who reached out and was like, hey, there's this company, they're looking for drivers. They're like some startup, I don't know, you should go check them out. Uh, I went, it was Lyft. They had just launched LA and I went in for a driver interview and it, they were like a couple weeks into being in LA. And in my driver wow. interview, they hired me. So what, what year was this? This was 2000. Okay, wait, 11, 12, 13, 2013. Okay. Um, yeah, so they're like, we want to hire you full-time in the office. And I had this moment where I'm in LA, I'm chasing my dream, and I'm miserable. <laughs> and mm. I'm sitting in this office with these like young, creative, innovative people who are like not sitting behind a desk every day. They're like out doing stuff and trying to change the world. 
And that's what I wanted over here. But all I see is this big machine that's taking advantage of people. You know, that's what I wanted in film. And so I just, I made a complete switch. And I was just like, I think that this actually, this startup thing has what I need. Um, So I went and worked for Lyft. I did two years. It was an incredible ride. (laughs) It was incredible. Um, Getting out of it on the other side, I was like, I need a break. I need to like... (laughs) sit on the couch I think I watched Nashville that show for like a month like I just sat on the couch and I was like I need to turn off yeah um and then when I left Lyft I was like okay maybe I'm going to do this this acting thing maybe I'm going to do it again I'm going to give it another go um but I made the mistake of updating my LinkedIn and I was coming off of Lyft which at that point was like hot startup huge such a success and so when i updated my linkedin i got three job offers in a week um it's hard to say no which i was like yeah it's that golden (laughs) handcuffs thing right and so i was like i want to chase this dream and yet here i am again um and that was five and a half years ago and i um i took one of those job offers with Ernan uh because one of my dreams you know how you have so many dreams it's like there's so many yeah, life absolutely can relate to what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my dreams that I, was that I always wanted to build a brand. I wanted to work in brand marketing um, on the conceptual side of like building a brand. And yeah, the creative yes, side. Exactly. Um, and so Ram, the founder at Ernan, he asked me to come have a coffee with him and just talk, which I thought meant having coffee and talking. I didn't realize it was a job interview. <laughs> Mm. Uh, yeah. and yeah, he offered me a job and that happened. And the rest is the rest history. Is history. Yeah. Um, and I got to build the Ernan brand, which was incredible. It used to be active hours. Now it's Ernan. And, you know, it was great. I've, I've loved doing that. Um, I love the work that I'm doing now for Ernan, but I guess it was, I don't know what time is anymore because of COVID, but like, I think it was two years ago. <laughs> um, something like that. I, took a month off of work. I just kind of, I needed a reset. And um, I came back to this moment of being like, what do I want? And it's always been acting. It's that's always all of the other things I want to do. Yes, I want to do them. But like acting is the thing for me. That itch that has remained. It just remains, like, no matter what. No matter, no matter where, where you scratch, you're just scratching the wrong totally. places. And, yeah. and there's so many careers that I could love. And yeah, it's just the mountain that I want to climb. And so I read Jenna Fisher's book, um, which, you know, I've read a lot of comedian memoirs, but generally they're like about their life story. Hers is a how-to guide to becoming an actor. And it was the first time that I read something that broke it down into actionable steps. I was like, oh shit, I'm gonna do this. I'm just gonna do it. <laughs> now I know how. And what have you got to lose? What have you got yeah, to lose? Got to lose? Um, and so, yeah, I signed up for classes at Beverly Hills Playhouse, which is in San Francisco. Um, and their mantra, what they're all about is, is not just the the craft of acting, it's a scene study school. So they definitely handle all of that, but they also have these admin classes where they help you to handle the business side of having a creative career. Because if you don't have both of those things, you're not gonna make it. 
you know, you need to know how to push forward and, and, you know, unblock things and, and get through it online. Yeah. Maybe, uh, you know, enlist the talents of an agent or a manager, yeah. you know, somebody that has those connections already. So you don't have to try to navigate that world. Totally. But then like, how do you even do that? You know, if you say like, get a manager, it's like, sounds great. Sounds great. I would love to do that. <laughs> how do you yeah, do like that? that makes sense. <laughs> um, and so building out a package, right? All of your headshots, all of your self tapes, all of um, your reels and things that define your casting and, and all of this. Um, so that's really been what I've been working on in the past year uh, is just building up that resume and, and package of materials so that I can better position myself because guess what? Being a creative is also having a brand. And that's kind of like a thing yeah, that <laughs> I've been working on for a while now. So it's been, yeah, it's been hard and wonderful. But you're heading in the right direction. I mean, I've had a chance to check out your YouTube channel. And so you've got your, you know, your reel up there. And I mean, tools like YouTube are so powerful these days for creatives of, uh, from all, all yeah, walks. Pretty much know. every, yeah, any. Yeah. It just reminded me of uh, Issa Rae because I, I recently saw that she's putting out a masterclass on, you know, building up your own brand. And, you know, she started sh her own show on YouTube, yeah. you know, uh, Diary of an Awkward Black Girl. And because she was like, you know, I, I need to portray a character that is true to myself and who I can relate to. And if, yeah. if I can relate to this, then other people can. And so she told her own story and look where it landed her now. Yeah, totally. Yeah. She's yeah. When, when I like look at other people who have done these kinds of things, it's, it's, those are the people I'm super inspired by. Definitely. So Ray, um, Phoebe Waller bridge is another one who's just done incredible work. Um, Particularly, I mean, she's an incredible actor, but her writing also is really inspiring. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Phoebe Waller-Bridge, but um, she did uh, Killing Eve, she wrote, um, and then she wrote and was in Fleabag. She's just incredibly talented, so. Yeah, I'm familiar with yeah. that one. Yeah, so like you said, I mean, this is your second go around of, you know, doing, the, doing it as an actor, but in that time that you spent, obviously you took on different jobs that still check some boxes, you know, like creatively with Lyft and then uh, with Earning. Um, but when you went back into it, like you said, of course you got a lot of um, like inspiration from the book, but after create or like developing the brand for Earning, did it change how you approach like putting yourself out there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've, I've learned so much about marketing and um, and branding from my work at Earnin. And also I worked really closely with like the, the um, press side, so PR and media and how do you position yourself? So like strategic positioning and um, all of that. And one of the things that I continue to think about is like, what are the things that I stand for, right? What are the things that uh, represent me or make me different than anyone else in the industry? And I think there's, Part of that is what kinds of characters you play, but as a filmmaker, it's also what what kinds of, uh, like what's your value system, right? Um, what kind of stories are you telling? The stories that you tell and, and how you treat people, because again, coming from my experience in LA where I was just, saw so much of people just being taken advantage of, um, wanting to create 
wanting to create a creative world where people can get paid instead of being exploited, right? Where they can make a career out of their creative pursuits and not be constantly on guard of people wanting to take advantage of them. Um, that's what I want to create, right? Because I didn't follow my dream because I was always in a position of, you know, financial insecurity. And I think that if we can pay the people, man, just pay yeah, them. Pay them. <laughs> and as creatives, you know, demand to be paid. I think that's really important. Yep. So. Yeah, I mean, they they it's worked for so long where they haven't had to pay anybody, you know, and then on your side of it, you're like, I'm not making any money, but I still have to approach this as my full time. Gig. Yeah. Or I'm never going to make any, you know, strides. Right. And they know that. And they're just like, well, uh, here's your opportunity to take it or leave it. Right. Like, totally. And the crazy thing with acting is um, you do so much work before you even get the job especially now in COVID times, everything is a self tape. So like you get an audition, well, you better have a camera set up and lighting. You better know how to do hair and makeup. You better have a really great sound equipment and you're gonna have to edit all of that stuff too. So shoot it yourself, do really well at the acting part of it and then edit it yourself and send it in. Like you are an end to end production team and you're not even paid yet. That's just the audition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's just for them to look just at the you. Potentially, yeah. Yeah, like potentially <laughs> maybe consider get you. Paid. And then like the job might be $200 and you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. So you just spent like, you know, eight to 12 hours shooting and editing your little yeah. sizzle reel and then only to, you know, get thrown in the, the, the trash. Totally. You know? <laughs> so you just like the mindset has to shift. Like everything you do is practice, you know? I do auditions all the time. I had one yesterday. I had one the day before. And it's just like, I, I'm not even thinking about getting it. I'm just thinking, what can I learn? How can I play? What can I do with these characters that will help me learn the other tools so that later I can use that for my own filmmaking, right? Um, when I get auditions, I started doing this thing. The casting agents probably hate it, but I'm having fun. Um, <laughs> this one thing, all casting agents. <laughs> Hey. The one thing they hate is um, when I'm getting scripts and there's like multiple people, most actors will have a reader, which is like someone who is just standing behind the camera oh, and yeah. reading the other lines. Um, instead of doing that, I've started playing all of the characters and then I edit it myself. <laughs> so that like I'm all of the characters, <laughs> even though I'm only auditioning for one because yeah. I want to like, again, it's just an acting. Yeah. Showcase like, that creativity. Yeah, I want to play all of those characters, please. Um, yeah, well, that's something that people are doing on TikTok all day now. You know, they they put on like a different hoodie yeah. or something like that to to s signify that they that's a different that character. Person, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, it just shows that you know how creative people get when you give them constraints. You know, we have, have these little clips, and you know, you can act out a whole scene with just yourself. I don't know. If you, there's a, a girl on Instagram called uh, the Council. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she, yeah, she's pretty good. Yeah, she's pretty good. She'll play like three or four characters all at the same time. I think it's called the, the conscious and like, yeah, she has like the heart, her uh, her yeah. brain, oh, yeah, like anxiety, and it's like all yeah when she's thinking about whatever situation it may be. But yeah, it's pretty good. But yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of important too. Like you said, um, you know, you're using these casting and auditions to your benefit as well. Like yeah, sure, they're you know trying to see what you're about, but you're like, well, I'm just gonna see what I can do too, and then. 
either the, you might get some extra feedback you might not have got too right if you didn't play all those different roles or you know so it's like yeah i mean that's how i feel about a lot of things I and mean, obviously it's got to make kind of sense but take the interview you know like if someone's interested in your services i'm I'm gonna see what it's about and soak up that game too. Yeah, so. my dream. yeah, who knows? You might you might knock one of those supporting roles out of the park and they'll cast for you for that exactly. one. Exactly. Exactly. The one I did the other day, both of the other characters were cast as male, and I just did them anyway as yeah. <laughs> women. Um, and I was like, they didn't have to be male. It's fine. So like, my dream is that I should get cast as someone who's a or like originally cast as a totally different type, but I like. Yeah, because you showed them what it could look like in a different way. You know what? This is my, let me just show you a yeah. little something real quick. Yeah. But why not? They're going to watch it anyway. Like, well, I had to record it all myself. I'm going to take a couple liberties and uh, show you what yeah. I got. <laughs> I, I really respect your process and your approach to uh, the, the production process. Just paying all the creatives that have been involved in your work, even without taking pay yourself. You know, all the, the money that you've raised on Indiegogo and whatnot. I like that you've really gone out of your way to make sure everybody is a paid professional. Not only that, but having like a, a primarily female uh, cast and crew. Yeah, it was incredible. Honestly, I didn't think I would be able to find women to do all of the technical roles. And it is surprisingly easy. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna like say that right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, there were several uh, cinematographers. And once you loop into, once you, find a woman who is a head of crew in any one of those fields, they can connect you to all of the other women. It's very easy. So it just mm. happened. It was strong network. It was incredible. Out. And particularly because of the subject matter of my film, I wanted to make sure that the, the set felt safe generally, but also for me, because I was playing a sex worker, I was wearing lingerie. I knew that like I was going to have to, um, you know, direct and, and be respected on set. And also I was going to be wearing not a lot of clothing. Um, and I just, I was very strict in, in who came on set and they came, you know, well-referred and that they came from within communities that I knew were like sex positive or just not demeaning in some way. And one of the things that I asked all of the people who did work with me on the project was um, it for the heads of crew positions was uh, why are you joining this project? What is it about this story that's important to you? Because it was really important to me that no one was coming in with judgment on sex work and working on that set. Like that's not going to create a, a healthy environment for anyone. So um, yeah, it was really, it was really incredible. And then with the, with the money stuff, it's funny. I'm, I, I did this film through a program called Filmmaker Success, um, which is that I, I worked with this woman, she's a producer and she kind of coached me through how to make my first film. Um, when I was talking with her about, you know, what should my budget even be for the first film? We set it at $10,000. I think a lot of people can make films for $10,000 or less in the Bay Area. Um, but I think that the yeah. way that that is done is by not paying people, mm. right? Um, you ask yeah. people to, to work for free to help you achieve your dreams. And I think a lot of people, because there are not a lot of opportunities to work on creative projects that make your heart go boop, boop, uh, people will just do it for free because it makes them happy. Um, 
And I just think that we can have happiness and also get paid. And that should be kind of the, the yeah, pay the people. people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I raised the $10,000. We actually, we, we raised 12,000. We went over, which was great. And we ended up spending all of it on pre-production and production. Uh, there were a bunch of people who volunteered to help with the film and particularly in the last days before the film. So let me take a moment to tell you about filming during COVID, <laughs> which is that mm, it is oh. a situation. <laughs> um, Especially for your first go at it. Like, yeah, oh. <laughs> it was very real. Um, of course you have to get everyone tested and there's safety measures on set and everything like that. Um, we, in the week leading up to it, you have to get everyone tested. And all of those tests have to come back within 48 hours of shoot date. Um, three weeks before COVID, our set designer got, or excuse me, three weeks before we filmed, our set designer got COVID. Oh no. Which, you know, I was kind of like, she's okay. She, she was not, you know, it was not a horrific case of COVID. So she was okay. Mm -hmm. um, and I was kind of like, okay, well it lasts 14 days, right? So we have like a whole week where she's not sick before we film, so this is fine. Uh, what I didn't know is that you continue to test positive for COVID for like months, potentially. Mm -hmm. um, so in the week that we were filming, she got her test results back and she was still positive. So even though technically she was not sick, we couldn't have her on set. And all of her set pieces, that she had assembled had been exposed. So oh, that was like one oh, great man. thing. And so I had to have a volunteer come on to sanitize all of the set pieces and then volunteer to be her boots on the ground while she was on a video call with her on the day of filming. So that was like a crazy person who jumped in last minute and was like, I'll just do this for you for free. Um, wow. And then our uh, the other producer that I was working with, who's in LA, was going to fly up and be on set and do uh, AD work and script supervisor and all of these things on set. Well, COVID was spiking and I didn't want to risk it. And so I told her, I don't feel comfortable with you coming up and being on set because you're going to have to fly two days before. And that's, you know, and so I had to find people to cover those roles for her in the three days before we shot. Um, and then we figured all of those things out, right? Figured it out, everything is fine. And then two days before filming, one of our other heads of crew got sick. And she, um, she was just like, I don't feel comfortable coming on set because I'm ill and I don't know yeah. what it is. And it was too late to get another person. Even though we found another person who could fill, it was too late for them to get COVID tested time in frame. time because we were gonna be filming the day after they could get tested. Um, and it was a 48 hour turnaround period. So we had to push filming a day, which was fine because it was Sunday. But if we if we weren't able to get their COVID test back by Saturday, we would have to push filming to 2021 because the next week was Christmas and then it was New Year's and like no one was gonna be there. Um, yeah. And if we pushed it to 2021, I would have to pay taxes on the money that I fundraised. Um, and I would lose, you know, half of it. <laughs> just a little bit of everything. The stakes <laughs> were high. <laughs> um, so the people who came on and volunteered and 
and got it done were absolute saviors. Like, how do you not pay those people, you know? And so even though they volunteered to do it, um, after we finished filming, I was just like, I'm paying you. I don't have a lot to pay you, but I am paying you something. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. show show that gratitude. And so we, um, yeah, we ran through our 12,000. We're fundraising again right now, uh, just an extra 5,000 to cover post-production and uh, all of our festivals. We submitted to three festivals this week already. So we're gonna do the whole festival circuit. Um, And we're already at over 50% on our fundraiser. We raised over 50% in the first three days. So um, I really think that it's the job of the producer or the filmmaker to find that money. It's not the job of the cast or the crew to work for free. If I am making people work for free, I'm not doing my job, in my opinion. <laughs> in my opinion, no offense, other producers, but that's the set that I want to run. Yeah. That's the set I want to run. Yeah. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, that was the opportunity you had too. This being your movie, like I'm gonna yeah set the goals and the regulations on everything I can. So, yeah. and wear all those different hats and. <laughs> Totally. Cheers to you and making it happen, and I wish you luck in the the festival circuit. Thank you. Yeah. I'm- yeah now, now I can see why. Uh, I think when they they filmed the uh, the WAP music video, I think it was like maybe like two hundred thousand dollars just for COVID precautions. It was like a million dollar video, but like two hundred grand is just because they shot it during yeah. COVID and they had to like really yeah, like keep all the people separate. Yeah, or whatever, yeah. Right? keep it sanitary testing all day totally and especially if it's more than a one-day shoot like ours is a one-day shoot if you're testing people every single day it's like yeah it's a whole situation yeah, and then you said it you know this is you know about a year or so in, a, in the making of that so like when you started writing this was his pre-covid times right i'm guessing it or? was actually in march so, okay, so kind of like yeah, right the onset. Yeah. Really inspired me. Yeah, for us, at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I was kind of curious on like how much of that you know played into how you're writing it and like how you're going to try to get this produced. You know? Yeah, yeah. So definitely, the entire writing process had COVID in mind. Like, how can we do this in a one day shoot? How can we shoot it in mm. one location? Not one just one location, location yeah. but like one room. We're not going to have that many steps, <sighs> right? Um, mm-hmm. okay, this is a sex work movie. Like, how do you have people being intimate in COVID times? Yeah. Um, how do you keep mm-hmm. that safe? Um, we can't have a big cast one cause I couldn't afford it. And two, because you just don't want more people in the room. You don't, how do you have a full crew, but as few people as possible, you know? Um, so we filmed it at my house and we have a whole like, carport area so most of the crew was outside in the carport unless like they would come in and do their setups and they'd go back to the carport and everyone was kind of Mm. separate um to keep things safer which was great yeah did you have to eddie murphy anything you know put on like a fat suit to play a different character or anything like that (laughs) not this one that'll be the next (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, because I saw your, your video on YouTube with the, the anime filter. That was oh, pretty, thanks. That was, that was silly. courtesy of Snapchat. <laughs> Snapchat. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of tripping me out a little bit. And I was like, man, this is, is kind of trippy right now. Yeah, um, I Interesting. sent that. Well, I didn't actually send it to anyone in my family because there's been a little bit of controversy, controversy in the family with 
my film, um, as you can imagine. Mm. The, the subject matter the of your film. Yeah. And my whole mm. thing with sex work is like, sex work is not sex trafficking, right? Sex trafficking is someone who does not want to be doing this and is being coerced in some way. It's hard to believe for some because the media does not portray it this way, but there are people who enjoy doing sex work. I know these people. Yeah, as evident in the, the rise of OnlyFans. Right, exactly. And yeah. I, I think it's really important that people understand the distinction and that people Definitely. can celebrate that like sex work is, number one, a very hard job to do and an important job that fulfills a lot of things in society. And people should be able to do that. Um, for people who do sex work and enjoy it, like it's such a fulfilling career. So I put that out there with my film and with my fundraiser and um, my family, I have a very big Irish Catholic family and they were not having it, not having it. Like I messaged all of my aunts and uncles on the one side being like, let me tell you about my film. Not a single one of them messaged me back. They've literally, that was in July. They have not spoken to me, they will not. No contact sense, wow. So <laughs> it's wild. I don't know how I got to this topic. What were we talking about? How, uh, I mean, how did you expect them to react when, uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure that you weren't really thinking about that when you first started writing it, but I'm sure as you continued to write it, that thought must have crossed your mind. For sure. I mean, I, I know that people have different views on it, but that's why the topic was so important to me was that people yeah. conflate sex work and sex trafficking. Um, what I didn't know was that there was some additional, I'm not going to air the dirty laundry of my family, but there was some, <laughs> there was an incident, there was an incident yeah. um, with someone who interacted with sex worker in some ways. Um, yeah. So, you know, everyone has their own baggage, but I think that overall the, the vibe that society has towards sex work is one of shame and, you know, seething hate for whatever reason. So I think that's a problem. And I think that it's also Definitely. reflective of our general ideas about sex and, and the way that yeah. we treat that topic overall. Um, I think a lot of the, yeah, we are consenting adults after all. Yeah. I mean, and like, we're in like constant denial that it's the biggest <laughs> industry. You know what I'm saying? Like, stop acting like that's <laughs> what it is for you. Like you, you turn your nose to things when like, come on, dude, we're all looking at some form of it. And, you know, and this is trying to open up, like, you don't even realize what is sex work because you think of it in this negative way or whatever, you know, or like, it's always got to be rooted in like issues. You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, that's just an enjoyable thing. If, if you're in that part of it, you know? Totally. And I think, you know, I had an interesting conversation with my mom about this, where I think that her siblings reached out to her and they were like, you know, Katie's doing this thing. We're concerned that Katie is doing sex work. And my mom called me and she was like, you know, I know they said this, but I know you, I know you're not doing sex work. And I was like, am I not? She's like, what? I was like, okay, well, let's talk about it. So in college. Yeah, what if I was, mom? Yeah, what if I was? Let's talk about it. So in college, I used to model nude for art classes. Is that sex work? 
Yeah. I mean, I, I, to me, that at least is part of that lane more than any other, you know, yeah. like yeah. I mean, uh, industry I would put it into, right? Yeah. Like, and yeah my just mom, because it's a nude body. Yeah. Yeah. And my mom yeah. was that like, make it sex work. Well, no, because that's art. I was like, OK, great. Yeah. So that's art. Got it. Yeah. So, yeah, here we go. Here we We're go. trying to make some. And then uh, I'm like, OK, so I moved to San Francisco. I'm a dancer. And within the dancer community, a lot of people do. Um, I do like partner dance. Um and there's this subculture of like sexy dinner parties where people like pay a bunch of money to get this like 13 course meal and people will like dance and take their clothes off in front of them and create like a sexy scene. And like I've served type of vibe. these dinner parties, right? Like I've done this. They don't pay you. And I'm like, I don't want to get paid. This is about like empowerment and all of that. Um, mm-hmm. Is that sex work? And my mom was like, well, you're not getting paid. So no. I'm like, <laughs> yeah are you sure because i'm pretty sure like <laughs> yeah but i think that that's kind of where the boundary lies is if i'm comfortable doing it it must not be sex work yeah, exactly exactly like it's you have to be coerced into it for it to be yeah, Which again, like a sex work that's but, yeah. sex trafficking you know yeah exactly and yeah. everyone's boundaries are different sexually and so like even within the sex work community, there's a thing called the hierarchy, which I learned all about during this mm. film, which is that people who, for example, are doing cam girl work may have, maybe like, this is not sex work or this is not bad because I'm comfortable doing it and I'm not actually like sleeping with anyone, right? I'm not having physical mm, contact. Sure. Like this is safe, yeah. I feel comfortable with it. Yeah. And so it's fine. Whereas someone who's, you know, being an escort or someone who is um, stripping in person is like, that's bad. That, um, right. And so there's judgment on the different kinds of sex work, even within the community, which um, yeah. it's so it's tragic that there's so much shame put on sex work in general that people within the community feel like they have to. Yeah. It's just, it's wild because we have cultivated these taboos like over the years and, you know, when, like I mentioned, like when there's consenting adults involved, no, no one is being harmed. Like, why are we so harsh on to judge the people who engage in these activities? Yeah. yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, even throughout, you know, whatever sitcoms or dramas were throughout, it's there, it's always, you know, implied that there's some kind of sexual connections in these characters and whatever, but it's the minute you take it, like, you know, somebody's gauge of like, all right, no, now this is unacceptable. You know what I mean? And then like, even now on social media, like everyone's just doing their own thing and like talking their own way. Like, yeah, why not? I'm glad we're starting to get towards that. It's like, no, this is how I want to be and who I want to be like and dress like or whatever. Yeah. And it, it really impacts all of our interpersonal relationships with sex, regardless of whether we're like getting paid for it or not. Right. Um, the media, the movies that we watch, the shows that we watch, they shape our ideas of what healthy sex looks like. And I think honestly, it's rare to see a healthy sexual relationship in media because those, it's not like interesting to watch a good, healthy sexual mm. relationship. Um, I, <laughs> this is weird, I'm gonna talk about it. I, when I was working for Lyft, I was living in hotel rooms and I remember very distinct, distinctly when I was living in Florida, I was in a hotel that had like pretty darn thin walls. And there was this one night mm. that this couple stayed in the room next to me and I could hear them banging it out all night long. 
And their communication was the healthiest <laughs> experience I've ever like been audible yeah. witness to. Secondhand. It was incredible. <laughs> I was like, wow, that, that's so great. They would like, I would, it would be like, you're hearing it happening and then they would stop yeah. and you'd hear like, and then they'd start up again. It was like, they're like each other. And I was like, I want that in a movie. Can we get that? Because I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, so underrepresented. Yeah, we need to let oh, people sure. know that it's okay to to voice to your concerns or your yeah. likes or dislikes. You know, yeah, you like know. I was supposed to just automatically know how this is going to go. You know, they're like, no, nah, we're going to have to, yeah, step back a little bit every once in a while. Oh, yeah, and like yeah, reevaluate what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go through the highlight reel. That's yeah. kind of my dream is that I can create stories that, that give, and again, like not just about sex work. Sex work is just like the place where we are most toxic with our relationship with sex. But I want to create stories that help people heal their relationship with sex in all of those ways. And mm-hmm. even if your relationship with sex is that you don't have it and you don't want it, and that's not something that's important to you. There are people right. who that's that's reality. And how do you yeah. how do you uh, feel that you are a valid human when all of the media that you see is driven by romance and sex? And maybe that's just not yeah. something that you associate with your own personal happiness. You know, I think regardless of where you are in the sexual spectrum, like who you're attracted to, or you know how much or little sex you're you're having i think it's just important that you know you realize that wherever you are that's okay and wherever somebody else is that's okay too and as long as no one's being hurt in the process that's all we can really hope for 100 yes i mean i kind of i'm taking a wild guess but like it's partly why you want to do this right like this movie like hopefully someone can just show this to that person that they can't have that conversation with you know whether it's about sex work or just giving people like you said we learn everything about our sexuality from especially the media for the most part right and then your friends or family you talk to but so if you can give them another perspective or a more real perspective it can't it can't hurt like to be yeah like oh this is reality for a lot of people too totally and with aubergine the the real point of it was that i didn't want to call out that um like it's too on the nose to be like sex workers work right um I just wanted to show it differently. Whenever we, we see sex workers, it's like neon lights, nighttime, dark, mm-hmm. it's like. Yeah, red light <laughs> district, yeah. street walkers. Right, yeah. exactly. Julia Roberts. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Or like she needs to be <laughs> saved in some way. And so I really wanted Marie to be her own hero. First of all, I wanted to make sure that like the saving that she needed doing was not that she was physically in danger or there was anything like, happening that made it seem like this was a dangerous job. Um, You know, there are dangers that come with it, of course, but that's not the story that I needed to tell. That's the story that's always been told. (laughs) Um, I wanted to make sure that we shot during the day, right? This is a daytime thing. This is not something that's hidden Mm -hmm. in the shadows. Um, It's bright. It's funny. It's silly. Like, let's play in that realm because it's not been done. Um, And we can show, we can show just a totally different kind of sex work, Um, which by the way, I will say trying to shoot a one day shoot during the winter where you want to shoot shoot during the day is not advisable. (laughs) (laughs) Just throw another, sprinkle a little something else on there, another hurdle to get it. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. yeah, I like the using comedy though to break into these taboo topics. That that way, you know, you you ease people's guards down, so they're yeah. a little more receptive to hearing what you know is otherwise a, a serious topic that they you know are being taught about. Yeah, yeah, and I think that um, people think of sex work as this whole other thing, but all of the sex workers that I spoke to. Um, talked about, you know, it's, it's a job just like anything else, right? You struggle with boundaries with it in the same way that, I mean, I work at startups, so I always like have issues with like boundaries of my work. Um, (laughs) You know, where does your work end and your real life start? How do you create boundaries with the people who you're working with clients or otherwise? Um, One of the things that stuck with me was one gal talked about, um, you know, she would be doing camming and she would be foot modeling for someone right on video and uh you know on her feet from what he can see she's in like total sexy mode but actually up here she's like texting a friend <laughs> right she's like multitasking at work yeah we all do this you know exactly. it's the same yeah. it's not it's it's not what we think it is and so i i, I love pulling the curtain back on that Speaking of pulling the curtain back and uh, extremities, understand that you've also diversified your acting portfolio and or and more modeling portfolio and done some like hand modeling and stuff. Like, what uh, what inspired you to to round out your portfolio like that? Okay, this is very silly, but I <laughs> have always wanted to hand model, which is such a weird mm. thing. Um, but I, growing up, I would see pictures of my hands and I'd be like. Look at those elegant piano fingers, <laughs> my God, you know, <laughs> which, you know, I, I don't feel that way about most of my body. So like, <laughs> it really stood out like, oh, okay. really stood out. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I think growing up, my mom was always like, oh, you have such beautiful hands. And so I was like, I should do something with these babies, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I, I delved into it. Um, my friend, photographer, Richard Shu up here, who's incredible. Um, I asked him one day, I was just like, do you have any interest in doing like a hand shoot? And he's just like, I don't have any of that. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> and so we just set it up and did it. Um, and it's been great. And so far, most of the, mostly it just helps me get cast in other things. So if they're going to cast a spokesperson, they'll want pictures of your hands as well, because they're going to do additional shots mm. with the product. Right. Um, so yeah. it's kind of, it's not something where I'm doing that if it's not paired with other stuff, but it has been fun. Um, it is not, I would say, like, especially lucrative, especially if you have to constantly be getting manicures or like mm. waxing your arms or anything like that. It's just very expensive to have that kind of upkeep. I am not an upkeep kind of girl. And so I am not pushing for hand modeling anymore. <laughs> <laughs> just wearing wearing gloves all the time. Yeah, keep it at the yeah. proper humidity. That, that, uh, that David Duchovny, I think what it was in Zoolander, you know what I'm saying? You got to, you know what <laughs> the mean? glass cake. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, how, how can you keep your, you know, you getting your hands dirty all day with all these different jobs you're doing within your projects. Totally. Like, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, it's Yeah, much. keeping the hands in the, the first thing on your and mind. And the other thing is we foster kittens. And I don't know if you've ever mm. seen <laughs> the hands or arms of people who have kittens, but their their paws are just tiny, tiny razor blades 
um, and they don't yeah, know how to retract them. You. So <laughs> it's not sustainable. Hands get toe up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how has some of the uh, other training in your background helped you land roles? I know you've done some training with horses, fitness training, uh, like how, how have those things helped you in your uh, pursuit of uh, seeking acting? Yeah, roles? it's interesting because I think acting is one of, again, one of those uh, interesting careers where you're, you are, must constantly be training in a bunch of different things that you're not getting any payoff for until you do. Um, and so you have to always be working your body and your voice and whatever else, just to make sure that you can compete because everyone's a triple threat, right? Like everyone has their stuff. Um, so I, I, I've been a singer since I was little, um, recently my voice changed, which I didn't know was a thing, but apparently for women, your voice continues to change until you're like 35. Uh, and so growing up, I was a high soprano. So like all of the most angelic sounds in the world, um, you know, any of the <laughs> like love interest characters are going to be like these like sopranos um, or like, mm young girls disney princess type disney of princess type stuff room. for sure um and now my voice has changed and i'm the lowest female voice the contralto which is the range of witches and whores so <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a change over a bit of a change but like kind of on brand for me i guess <laughs> um which is great yeah so uh that's been exciting. And then um, what else? So the horseback riding I recently started because I would love to do period pieces. And uh, that would just be, I think the most fun, like costuming is what I'm all about. Just put me in a dress, let's call it a day. Um, so yeah, so I want to position myself as someone who just has the skills necessary to do that. I also do partner dancing. So, you know, give me some old style partner dance. I'm, I'm ready for it. Uh, I would just love to do all of that. So a lot of that is just trying to position yourself to be ready if the opportunity presents itself, uh, to be the one who is easiest to cast because you already have all of the skills, which again is crazy because there's so much work and energy to go into it and you don't even know if it exists. So most yeah. likely what will happen is that I will write a script <laughs> where I get to dance yeah, and yeah. ride horses and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and tell that story. So Your little hand modeling in there too. Yeah. Why, you Why not? Why not? <laughs> nice little, yeah. Yeah. Or you can write a script about a hand model. It's oh. too much. It's too you much. can portray one. <laughs> something i kind of want to ask i mean you know obviously a little different part of your career now you have a lot more like life experience this go around with you know getting into acting or doing more acting but you know especially being in the bay and we're so close to la like you know we always hear you know that's that's where the opportunities are and that's where you want to go to do these things uh and i have a friend that's down there and and, and is, we've always talked about this i was like you know i think one unique opportunity we have in the bay even for like chris and i with quality goods is like there's not as many people doing what we're doing either. And, you know, 
it's it's easier to try to build it the way you want because you don't have to like do it the way other people are doing it, you know. But when you're trying to work on like a movie or something like that, do you notice like a different mindset or like perspective from people that you you're looking to work with out here compared to like when you're when you were down there? It's interesting because in LA there are protections for people in creative work because the industry there is the creative work. And so you have Mm. the unions and, you know, people, Uh. once you're in the union, you have some sort of protection there. Of course, people are still trying to take advantage of you any way they can from what I've experienced. Um, But up here, it is not advised to join the union up here because once you join, you can no longer work because most of the work up here is non-union. So Mm, crazy. Yeah. So unless you are moving to LA to do the thing, you can't have the protections of the union, which is really Mm. wild. Yeah. I didn't even consider that as like one of the problems that I would have, you would have came across. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I'm interested to see how the pandemic shifts a lot of these things because it used to be like sometimes you would get self tapes and you'd have to self submit and sometimes they would have you go and audition in person. But now with the pandemic, everything has been a self tape or a zoom call, right? Everything has gone remote. And so I think a lot of the casting agents have been able to cast a wider net or, or, you know, since uh, filming was shut down, a lot of the casting agents started doing their own classes on how to do, um, like a, a really great co-star, you know, come do this co-star work- workshop or um, how do you do a really great commercial audition? And so uh, because they were making money off of those workshops and everything that had gone online, I think they also got a sense of the broader national talent that that brought yeah. them. Like, how do you go back to only casting direct from LA yeah, you know you yeah. found now yeah. that your network is so much broader I am really interested to see if that has a more long-lasting impact or if people will I'm sure they, it will. I hope that it will I mean I hope us. so I think that you know things being centered in LA I I just I can't imagine that it's going to be the same um and maybe yeah. that's just wishful thinking but um I think it's it's going to be interesting especially because people have moved you know People yeah. moved away from the cities. I had friends that were in LA yeah, exactly. and they were in a one bedroom apartment yeah, with a baby, a child, and they didn't need to be in LA anymore. So they moved to St. Louis and they bought a house. Yeah, for not to mention $5, LA is also like COVID capital of California. Yeah, yeah exactly. But that. like yeah. how all of these people who have moved out and are experiencing living with space, yeah. how do you go back to living in that like constrained yeah. yeah, especially if they if you're finding ways to function outside of that little bubble there, you know, you're like, all right, I can show you we can do it, you know, and like everyone or, you know, 90 percent of the people have become more tech savvy and communication savvy because you have to right now or you're just going to sink. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. yeah, it also makes me want to highlight the point that you don't always have to go for broke in pursuit of your dreams. You know, like you did make the move to L.A. in order to pursue them. But at a certain point, you realize that. You know, you weren't going to be able to sustain your your livelihood and your living, you know, when when the creative work isn't paying and you had to find a job. And just want to let people know that you don't always have to 
lay everything on the line in pursuit of your dreams. You know, you can, you know, give it a good, a good push and then, you know, take a step back and, and gather yourself and, you know, like make, make some money doing your job, but don't ever like, you don't have to give up on your, on pursuit of your dreams just because you need to make a living. Totally. And whatever it is that you do when you take that step back is going to inform your creative stuff, right? Like exactly. I went and worked in brand and marketing and that is feeding yeah. directly into my ability to have my own business and my own brand, right? Um, everything that we do informs our art. Yeah, I think that's <clears throat> something I stress all the time is like all those reps you do with anything you do is just building your per you as a person to, you know, like to get into that next project or endeavor you're going to get into. But all those life experiences help you make those decisions or what it's going to look like. I come, well, yeah, like, I mean, art is just different to you now. I'm sure like what you your what your story is now is different than six years ago, seven years ago. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I can totally relate. I went to school, like I mentioned, with Danny in pursuit of music production. I moved to Los Angeles to work in the music industry. I, I, I did all that. But when I realized that my dream wasn't aligning to the way that I had yeah, imagined it in my head, I, I realized that I needed to take some other steps. And I, I wound up in tech with a, a great career, but, and look at me now, now I have a, a podcast of my own where I get to help still share stories it, yeah. Yeah, still, still doing it. Not, not something that I imagined in the beginning, but I have loved every moment of totally. it. Totally. And I think that's where thinking about like not what the thing is that you want, but what are the aspects about the thing that you want, right? Like, oh, you yeah. want to work in the music career. Is that actually that you have a passion for like sound stuff, like being interested in audio? There's so many more directions that you can go with that than, than the specificity of music. And for me, you know, I want to be in Hollywood acting is very different than I want to be able to be a performer, right? And even in my in my work at Earnin now, I'm doing interviews with like uh, senators, and um, I'm going to like host this video thing for us. So there's opportunities that are so much more broad than what you can imagine. Yeah, I think it's just like you know you get older too, and you realize the goal is just a little different because you realize there's different things that can bring you that satisfaction, you know, in yourself the way it was before. Like, you, you, cause like yeah, everything is always about like, Oh, what's that job that's going to make you happy. It's like, man, it's not never been about that, but it's just when you're younger, you think that's what it has to be, you know, or most of us do. I mean, I did for sure, you know? Um, but then, yeah, then you, you just get older and you realize, man, I'm still happy. I'm still able to, yeah, like communicate a message. Like that's, that's what I like to do is just having more conversations with people and telling them my experiences, but also absorbing theirs, you know? And then of course, here we are with the podcast that is just another example of that, you know, and have people who have known me from different walks of life. They're like, you've been talking like that. So this is just, yeah, like this is just now your current vehicle, you know, like now this is the movie you're doing is just your part of life that you can share with people. Yeah, totally. Okay. Now is the time that we can go into a segment of our podcast that we call support quality. And we just want to ask you about something that has brought quality to your life lately. It could be a person, a place, a thing, a process, but what's something that has brought quality to your life? So, for me right now, the thing that is, it's very pandemic specific, um, or I guess it's all the time, but um, I'm going to bring it back to horseback riding. You know, the pandemic has been crazy and so isolating. And so it's great. There's been like time for reflection. There's so many silver linings for me. I mean, 
where the bad parts of the pandemic of like the direct badness, um, I thankfully have not been impacted by um, directly. Uh, but emotionally, it's it's hard. Like we're holed up in our homes and um, trying to respect the all the restrictions that are in place. And um, I had a film that I was going to make in, I was gonna film it in March actually um, last year. And that was kind of what spurred me doing this project and actually raising a budget and doing the whole thing was um, that that got shut down. And I think that emotionally there was just like such a, such a journey we've all been on. Definitely. And part of that was again, just being so isolated, not moving our bodies, not being outside. Um, you know, we, yeah, we had, we had like weird other losses this year and I've always wanted to horseback ride and, and it's just been too expensive and I just can't afford it. And I, I'm like, you know, being, having this like starving artist mindset, even though I have a, a like a good job, um, I've never felt like I could afford that. And I eventually got to the point in the pandemic where I was like, fuck it. I'm gonna do it. Mm. And it gets me outside. I'm with animals. I'm in nature. I'm using my brain. Horseback riding is so much brain. It is so much body. It's like the learning curve is so steep. I'm so frustrated that I cry. And I love it. <laughs> Beautiful. It's great. And that for me right now is bringing so much quality to my life because other than that, I just sit in my house all day yeah. on my computer. I've had to start wearing these glasses. The blue, the blue light eyes, blocking. Yeah. They're not even blue light. These are like legit glasses because my eyes are like so tired that I can't focus yeah. on the screen anymore. Um, and that's twice a week I go and I put my butt on an animal. <laughs> just escape a little bit. And I just escape a little bit. And that is giving me so much quality. And I feel endless gratitude to my full-time job for affording me the flexibility to be able to do that like on a Thursday morning and come in to work at like 11 instead of nine. And for my work being able to give me the, the flexibility financially to, to like drop a dime on that every month to just make sure that I can like get out of the house and, and have that. So nice. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And now you got horseback riding on your acting resume yeah, just, now. So now if you ever need to be in a Western or, uh, and or yeah. some kind of equestrian yeah. movie, they all use horses back in the day. You know what I'm saying? There's <laughs> unlimited. Yeah. That, you can do your period piece. Exactly. You do your period piece now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh my God. Now I'm like, I should definitely write a story where it's literally, they never get off the horse. Like, the whole thing <laughs> oh, like man, that'd be great. Why not? <laughs> Yeah, the whole the whole uh, movie is just shot on the horse on the back of the horse. Like yeah. Just... yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that movie was called Hidalgo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you do a reboot. Everyone's doing reboots these days. Just <laughs> okay, Katie, it has been a pleasure to talk to you today. Yes. Great to learn about your uh, journey as a performer, filmmaker, all of that. Thank you for sharing your story yeah. with us. But how can people find their way to aubergine and whatever else you're working on? Yeah. So uh, everything is on my website at the Katie Austin 
thebookshop.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram at the Katie Austin. The Katie uh, Austin. The, the, the Katie, Katie Austin. Austin. So there's a fitness celebrity named Katie Austin. It. So she owns all of the branding for Katie Austin. So yeah, that's Katie, but this is the Katie Austin. So this is the Katie yeah, Austin. We got you. We got you. <laughs> but yeah, definitely looking yeah. forward to that. Yeah. Cool. Thank you all so much. This Thank has you. been just such a pleasure. Yeah. Well, you can follow all of what we're about on Quality Goods TV on Instagram. And you can follow me at Mr. Beatty. And I'm at Young Man Old Souls. Yeah. Just check out the katieawson.com. Yeah, we'll definitely make sure to post that up. Once Aubergine hits that festival circuit, we will be along for the ride. Definitely. So thank you again, Katie, for joining us. Until next time.